Bless you guys. It's good to be here this morning. Half of us are here this morning. What is it, summer or something? Yep. Hey, you live in Manitoba. You got to enjoy this. I'm really glad to, to be together. Karen, I don't know where she went. Karen, thank you for bringing that word to us this morning. Um, I could really just preach off of that this morning. I'm going to just, I want to expand a little bit. I think you brought a word to us, and I just want to bring, oh, sorry. Um, I want to bring our attention to some, some, you brought us to the parable of the ten virgins or the bridesmaids, depending on translation, where we need oil, and that oil is the intimacy with Jesus. We've been talking about, if you remember a few weeks ago, First Love Revival in the, the book of Revelation, the letter is written to the church in Ephesus and says, repent and to return, do the works you did at first. You, I have this against you, you have forsaken your first love, right? And do you know what it says at the end? To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat the tree of the tree of life. To the one who conquers, so are you winning? That's a great question. Because to the one who conquers, to the one who has Jesus' first love, that's exactly winning. That's conquering. That's a good word. Thank you, Karen. Very good. Um, we're going to continue on in our series uh, through the Big Five Prayer Quest this morning. And as we get set to do that, uh, let's pray together. Father in heaven, you are holy. Jesus, I, I love that we, we come and our desire is to please you. Would you be so pleased with this gathering of your people today? Would we make you proud, Father? Because we just love you so much. We thank you for your love for us. And God, in light of thinking already many times of the ascension of Jesus, you are Lord and what you say goes. So help us by your Holy Spirit to live this out day by day. Give us a heart and a vision for these five prayer quests that you've laid on our heart for the church for this year, the foundations of what it is to be your church. And Lord, really grow that both in us individually, in our hearts, and our desire to pursue that, and, and also to grow in maturity in it. But also, Lord, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would draw us together in unity in these areas. And so, Lord, as we dig into your word, I pray that just as it is living and active, you would, you would draw our hearts and our minds uh, before you now. You have our attention. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to dig in to, I have a little more time today. I always stand up here, I look at the clock and think, how much stuff am I going to have to cut out this morning? And not very much today, so bonus. It's great. Um, we are in our series on the Big Five Prayer Quests. And really, in essence, our Big Five Prayer Quests are praying for the foundations of a healthy church. The aim of this whole series, now that we're, we're at week four, the whole aim is to give us, in greater measure, a heart for what we're praying for, with a deeper desire, with a deeper faith in it, 
expectation that this is actually what God wants for us and for his and for the community that he has us in. And those five prayer points is that we would have a first love lifestyle, that we would have first love revival in the church, that we would be missional, right? That's, that's a foundation of church, that we would not just be about this place or each other, but that we would reach out with the love of, the, of Jesus through the gospel. And so we're praying for 777 Cedar uh, in that way, because I believe that's where God has us going in that way. Uh, and again, you can listen to these messages on pretty soon on podcasts. We're just catching up a little bit, and they're still on YouTube if you missed any. Uh, this is really a vision series for our church. Um, we also know that being hands-on involved with the church, being a part of a local church is really important and healthy, not only for you, but for everyone around you. We need each other. We looked at that last week. Today, we're talking about leadership. We need leaders called by God and trained up for ministry here at Pine Ridge. Uh, of course, that's the, God's heart for the church. And also, as Karen mentioned, next week we will be talking about becoming a house of prayer. Not just a church with prayer, but a church of prayer. That we are absolutely, our, our, our motive in prayer is that we would know God more and that we would ultimately totally rely on him for everything. That's what prayer is about. So today we are at this point to see leaders called and trained for ministry at Pine Ridge. And it's at this point where if you feel like, well, my gift is helps, or I'm more of a backline person, I don't want to be a leader, that you might check out of this message. Don't check out of this message. Because leaders, and those who perhaps aren't leaders, um, in, in the sense of leading things in the church, we are all in this thing together. And each one has equal value and importance. And we need to know how we treat one another and value one another. But the, the reality is we really need leaders, specifically at Pine Ridge right now. Uh, I want to explain, this is before we get into the scripture today, which is very, this is going to be a very strange for me because I love diving into the, just the word. Um, I want to really explain just at the Pine Ridge level, like just us here, today, why we are specifically praying for leaders to be called and trained for ministry here. Um, so I'm going to explain uh, the kind of the high-level view of why we are praying for this. So pre-pandemic, um, our church operated differently than we are currently operating. And um, I'm not one to blame the pandemic for anything. Uh, as, you, as we get into this, the pandemic was a revealing thing it only really what happened was our, our hearts and our collective health was shown in that time. It didn't cause anybody to do anything. Just like we tell our kids, right? Nobody made you hit your brother. You hit your brother because that was in you. He might have been bugging you, but you hit your brother, <laughs> right? And so a pandemic is not an excuse for actions, but it is something we went through and revealed a lot of things. So here's how it used to work kind of operationally in our church. We have the elders who are the overseers who should be devoted to prayer and the ministry of the word, who oversee uh, general oversight and care of the church at Pine Ridge. They, have, they are the uh, spiritual authority and spiritual direction of the church. Then we have the, this isn't a, an in order of importance thing, this is just how we structure here. 
Uh, then there's the staff that are the on-the-ground weekly work. Super blessed that we can do this um, and, and do this full-time and, and carry out the mission and vision of the church and to equip you guys. And then we had something called the leadership team, which we have not been operating as lately. This is various ministry leaders, okay? Things like women's ministry, men's ministry, seniors' ministry, missions, uh, body life, building worship ministry, small groups, and they work along with the staff, and they help the day-to-day, like, they help the work happen, right? They're the, they're the, they're what makes the ministries happen, but they're leading a team of people that help make that happen, right? So it's the leadership team. Used to get together once a month. I think it was about 12 years ago, I joined the leadership team as a worship coordinator at the time. It was wonderful. We'd get together once a month and everybody just kind of gets on the same page for where we're going as a church. And then nobody steps on any toes as far as what we're doing and making sure we have room for people. And it was a good thing. So leadership team was good. Almost all of those things that I listed as far as uh, leaders in those various ministries left during the pandemic. Like I gave you a long list. That's a lot of people. It was painful. It was hard, but I need to just say it clearly, um, as clearly as I can and just acknowledge because there's many new people here and you need to know what you're getting into a little bit as well. Um, so what happened is many people left, um, in the past four years, just started kind of pre-pandemic, we lost almost every leader at the leadership team level um, in the past four, four years, um, other than elders and staff. Um, even staff has changed drastically. Sorry, guys. That's me. Um, honestly, many left for various reasons, okay? The majority left for poor character, which is hard I just don't want you to think that there's like deep doctrinal issues or like rifts happening here. Like I said, this is a revealing time. Um, some just had intensely strong political opinions about COVID. Um, to some, I was killing everybody because I wasn't caring enough. And to some, I was way too strict. So what can you do? COVID did a number, depending on where you planted your flag and how that mattered over the body of Christ. Okay, so we lost that. Uh, some did have doctrinal differences. We haven't changed any doctrine here since I've been the lead pastor, although uh, some um, have decided to not come along with, we believe that the, the gifts of the Spirit are full and active, and we desire the Spirit to do what the Spirit will do in our midst, and some didn't want that, so they left. Um, and some, honestly, uh, drifted from the faith entirely. So... I'm glad that those people aren't in leadership anymore, but we don't have leadership in those places. So then we're in a pandemic, we're not together, new leaders aren't being trained and raised up, and we're, we're not shifting, uh, we're not operating as the church should function as a body with each one sharing the collective gifts that we all bring to the table, because this would be a terrible place if you all turned out like me. Seriously, it would be bad. We need each other. So now we find ourselves, some of you may remember September 2020, when we were coming out, when we were able to gather together again, we were coming out of the pandemic, right? After those few months. Yeah, right. 
I preached a message, and it was online. Some of you may remember it. It's a three-part sermon series called Reset, Rebuild, Revival, okay? And so God really had the church in a reset mode, and it was going to take some rebuilding, and we're really praying for re- that he's going to use it as a catalyst to revival in his church, that those who actually desire him and want him will just go after him together. And so I still believe that's God's heart and God's plan. And we're still in the mid- middle of rebuild phase, I believe, but we're still praying for revival. I think it's healthy to acknowledge all of these things because it's where we've been as a church. It's where, in a big way, we are rebuilding. And it's been a reset. It's been a reset, I believe, from the Holy Spirit, also a revealing. And in that way, because the Holy Spirit is doing this, I rejoice because his plans are good. He has good for his church. It's not all sad and gloom. We love each person, but God has a good plan for his church. And we're gonna, and we're gonna seek him for that. So that's just really Pine Ridge specific stuff. But my prayer is that our priorities would match his as we move forward. Because we, we are, we're just continuing to move forward. His kingdom has not ended and it never will. Um, we're gonna continue to move forward. So in praying for leaders, there's countless ways, as I thought about, okay, I'm going to preach a message on leaders. There's countless ways to preach about leadership today. In fact, many ministers have devoted their entire lives just to the topic of biblical leadership. And so one message is not going to cover it today. I want to bring a little understanding to both the need of leaders, because there is, there is a somewhat of a culture today, um, depending on which, which outlets you listen to and things, just defund and get rid of all authority, right? Doesn't work. But that is, a, that is the age we, we live in where, well, authority is the problem and abuses have been done for sure, but you just don't get rid of authority. Authority is God-ordained and it's his good plan for the church. We need a vision as to how this looks or how it should look for us as a church. So first, let it be said that God calls leaders, okay? God is very involved with his church. And in fact, Jesus said he was building his church and he has a plan for his church. And so God calls leaders. We think briefly, we think of how he's called leaders. Some, it's this grand, amazing call from God. We think of Moses and the burning bush, right? And he's coming, and it's just this miraculous and holy encounter. He has to take off his sandals, and it's this holy encounter with God, and God calls him to lead the people out of Egypt. We think of David, the lowly little brother, right? And Samuel comes to anoint the next king, and he goes through all his brothers, and he's like, you look good, but no, not you. Uh, you look kind of good. No, not you, not you, not you. Is there anybody else? Go get that pathetic little shepherd boy that's out there. Certainly couldn't be him, but yeah, it's David. And so God called David. And then God calls Isaiah to be a prophet to the nation of Israel. And if you read that encounter, um, Isaiah feels grossly underqualified. And same with Jeremiah. Jeremiah feels grossly underqualified, but God calls them, and then he equips them. 
We see the 12 where Jesus called his disciples personally. He had a whole lot of people following him at times, but he called specifically to lead his church after he was gone, these 12 guys. One of them, obviously, Judas, didn't make it there. Then we have the Apostle Paul who has this road to Damascus experience where he sees Jesus on the road. Amazing. He is called to go and preach and plant churches among the Gentiles. These are just examples of how God calls leaders for his people. These were all called by God to lead. And in this leading, this leading was always designed to be in partnership with God. That God called them, he equipped them, he would lead them as well. And if you go and you read the entirety of the book of Judges, there are leaders that God sets up as judges in Israel before they were kings. And he, and he sets up these leaders and they were called to lead. But if you read the book of Judges, they didn't walk in partnership with God. They did their own thing. It's a disaster. It's literally a progression of evil growing throughout the book of Judges from bad leaders, although they were called by God. So it, this has always been designed to be done in partnership with God according to his ways. And it was meant that the people, listen to that, leaders were meant so that people would flourish together. That's God's heart and that's God's plan. So as we think about that, that God's heart is to place leaders into position to walk with him in order that the people would flourish together, we're going to look at a passage today, and I'm going to ask you to flip open in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. And we're going to look at this passage today, and we're going to look at a vision for God's, for leadership in the church and its function and its purpose. Oh, thanks. Thanks, guys. You rock. I got this now. Almost forgot that I had slides today. So I'm just going to read this passage, and then we're going to work through it a little bit, okay? Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to read the first 16 verses together. I'm reading out of the ESV, uh, but whatever you can read is all right by me. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. He's speaking of the church, okay, in Ephesus. With all humility and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us According to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, 
until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow, so that it builds itself up in love. That's the word of the Lord to us today. So there's a lot in there, and we're going we're gonna to unpack it just a little bit as we go through here. So this passage in chapter 4 starts out, Paul is, is writing to the church in Ephesus, and he is saying that we are all called to humility and gentleness and patience and bearing with one another in love. He's writing to the whole church there. So we are all called to love one another, right? That we have all received grace and we are all then one in the Lord. This is where he says there's one body and one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who's over all. He says, be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit. So he starts this passage by saying, you are one. In fact, you are all equals in sight because you all need to come to God the same way. In need of grace, in need of God. No one's above the other. That's the preface before he jumps into a little bit of some leadership and what the purpose of it is. So that's the preface. Now, Paul then describes out of that, Paul describes, grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. No. Yes. Sorry. Is this thing working? Yeah, it is. Okay, good. Sorry. Paul describes the fact that there are different callings and gifts given to different people in different measure. What he says is you're all one. You all receive the same Lord, the same baptism, the same grace of God to be welcomed into his family. But the reality is some are going to be graced differently with different gifts and even different measures of those gifts, okay? And what he's talking about there is spiritual gifts that God gives, okay? So we are equal. We must think of each other that way. No one need be prideful about their gifts. But God does give gifts, and God does give gifts in different measure, and it's not up to us. He just does that. He just does that. It's, it's the way he says he is sovereign in that way. And then we read on, and, and the gifts that are listed here are, are leadership gifts, but they are, they are given in light of the fact that Jesus ascended. We've already talked about this today. It's really cool. So it says in, in verse 7, it says that according to the measure of Christ's gift, right? Everyone's given a gift. It says, therefore, it says, when he ascended, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. 
So because Jesus ascended, he was no longer here in body, right? He wasn't here in body anymore. And, but he wanted his work to continue. He made that really clear uh, throughout the Gospels to his disciples that he wanted the work that he was establishing, the kingdom of heaven was, has, is near, is, is here in Christ. He wanted that to continue through spirit-filled believers. That's what Jesus was up to. And so Jesus wanted this work to continue. So it says, and he gave. So this is what he gave. He gave the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Um, some people uh, have, have termed this, in, in a sense of church leadership model, if you will, um, the apest, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. Um, five different roles that are given to the church as a gift, as we just read, to help build up the body, to help equip everyone for ministry, because we're all ministers, right? It's not just me standing here that's a minister. We are all ministers. It's the leader's jobs to equip you to do that in the way that you've been called to. So Jesus, Jesus ministered in these five ways too, among others. But because he ministered in this way, he was apostle, he was a prophet, he was an evangelist, he was a shepherd, he was a teacher. He was all of those things. His ascension means his church now needs to carry that on in the world. His church needs to continue the work of Jesus in the earth. But not just one person gets all of this. He, his design is that the church would work together. And each person might have a gift of a different kind and a different measure that we need to pull in together in order to actually fulfill his mission on the earth. But these are the leaders that Christ gives to the church. A few examples of, of Jesus in scripture, of Jesus being these things. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession. Apostle. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. And we know that Jesus prophesied many things as he was on the earth. Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is the words of Jesus. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And it goes on, liberty to the captives, those types of things. So he's an evangelist. He's going out and sharing the good news. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house someone who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Jesus was also a teacher. Jesus taught um, as he went and he spoke. It's really important to know that if that's what Jesus was doing, we understand in Colossians 1.19 that for in him, as in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. That's an amazing statement. In Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. But now we read in Ephesians chapter 1, speaking of Jesus, because he has all authority and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He has put all things under Jesus' feet 
and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So we see that Jesus was the fullness of God, (laughs) and now he has a plan for his church to be the fullness here on the earth. Now, none of us individually gets this right. None of us individually is the fullness of God. Let's just get that really, really clear. But his plan is that the church collectively would operate in that. You you tracking? So the church is now the fullness of Christ collectively. We operate then as the body and as his fullness together. I feel like there is just a shift in the room right now of fear. Don't be afraid because he who is in you is way stronger. This feels like something you cannot measure up to. You can't. It's not about striving. It's not about you pulling up your bootstraps and doing better. Yes, we must obey. But first, as we... Great. Thank you, Karen. We got to abide in Jesus. We got to have him as our first love. And he takes care of the fullness part. He takes care of filling us as a body. So it says he gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers for the building up, or for, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up of the body of Christ. That's the job of these people. So clearly they're leaders, right? They are the people that are equipping the people to be the church. And so these are leaders that Paul is talking about here. Um, I think when we think of these words, they can be scary to some because who wants to be known as an apostle? Who wants to be known as a prophet? Um, We kind of get the weird evangelist people because they're just kind of like the people doing their own thing. Uh, We love shepherds because we pay them to take care of us in the church. Another word for shepherd is pastor. Um, Those are the type of people that care about you. Um, And teachers, those are the people that teach really well and and are about understanding and knowledge and wisdom, these types of things. So if we think of that, we're thinking, okay, we get shepherds. And if any of you were... It's, it's weird because our church has changed so much. But our previous pastor, Lorne, he was a shepherd through and through. Like, the guy just cared about people. I, sorry. <laughs> I'm somewhere in the ape, I think. The first three of the apest. Um, but we need all of it, right? If I stand up here and preach a message, it's going to be visionary. Where are we going? Let's move forward. Let's go. Let's correct some some issues, fix it, and move forward in Christ. So that's apostle prophet. There's evangelists where your heart just burns for the lost. See, all of these things we really need, but some have it in greater measure, right? According to Christ's gift. So it, we can demystify these things. Apostles are the, thing, are the people, we can even see it in non-Christians non-Christians, just to help us understand, but it's way more when, when the Holy Spirit's on it. He gives apostles. These are people that start things, like the Apostle Paul, right? 
There's a number of apostles, somewhere in the teens of apostles we read about in the New Testament. These are people that start movements. Um, these are entrepreneurial types that start multi, uh, multinational companies, and they're those driven, forward-moving people, right? And we, we need those people in the church, don't we? But how much more when the Holy Spirit's on that? And we need prophets. These are often people that care for social issues and justice issues, and they see the wrong things that are happening, and they want to change it. Is there any people like that that you can think of? Right? They see the problem, and they want to shift it. They want to change it. And they will speak to things that people don't yet see. Right? And we have the evangelists where they'll wake up in the middle of the night weeping for the lost because people need to know the love of a savior. And then we have the shepherds who really care deeply for people and will walk along. And, and, and as the apostle might be driving forward, they're saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. We got a sheep back here with the limp. We got to just sit here for a little while. And, and we need shepherds. And we have teachers who bring understanding and who bring correct doctrine and who really think through the things of the faith. And we need those people. And so we see that if we have these five things operating at a leadership level, we will not only be able to pour into people better, but we'll be able to equip them better and be a healthier, more rounded church. So the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers, it's not actually that scary. Uh, it's not actually that mystical now, is it? God gives gifts, and he gives gifts according to the measure that he gives these gifts. And so at some level, I mean, we can all, I can operate in all five of these at some level. I'm standing here teaching today. Sometimes I care about you. <laughs> we can make fun of ourselves. See, if I'm standing here giving a message, it's going to be an apostle prophet message. Like that's what comes out of me naturally. The Lord helps me and say, hey, remember, be a shepherd. Um, but like, I know he's designed me that way. And then Chris Jansen could come up and preach a message, and he is a shepherd. And I love his heart. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Ken Boggs can come up here, and he will teach us the word of God. It's wonderful. And then you get those people that come. It's unfortunate so many evangelists end up in um, in organizations outside of the church that are reaching out like camps and YFC and things like that because the church hasn't had a place for them because <laughs> they're kind of weird. <laughs> and we just want the shepherd to care for us, right? But the point of these people is not for us. It's to equip us to get out the door. There's the apostle again. So like, let's go. The point is to be equipped to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Because we are all ministers, and we have all received gifts according to the measure of Christ's gift. And so we see in this that it is not one person that leads a church. It's not God's plan. It is multifaceted according to the measure that he pours out. So some of you will not be leaders in the grand sense of being called a leader at the church, but you all lead to some degree, and you probably all have aspects of those things in your life as well. But I want to really look at here. 
a couple of things. We need, we need to do this together. When Moses was called, he was called to lead people out of Egypt. In Exodus chapter 18, we see Moses' father-in-law pull him aside because Moses was getting burnt out. And Jethro, his father-in-law, pulls him aside and says, Moses, this isn't, this isn't good. You're judging, you're leading, you're doing all these things. You've got to appoint some people to help you out. And so Moses, through Jethro's wisdom, appoints people to help him out. And there were certain things that people could do that they could lead. Ultimately, it came up to Moses. So he was the leader, but there were other leaders. You following? So we need to do this together according to the measure of Christ's gift. Jesus had the same model. The 12, he was the leader. The 12 were commissioned to lead. And then Paul raised up in his mission, and he appointed elders in the churches that he planted. He appointed leaders who would raise up people. It's the way of God to have leadership in place. And the scripture is very clear that we, we should submit to, to our leadership because he has put it in place. We don't have time for that today. Just trust me. <laughs> Recognize a call of God and to fan it into flame and to see it grow is a beautiful thing in the church. It's a wonderful thing. To see a call of God on somebody's life and to fan it into flame, to see it grow. And that's the thing. As a leader, there's, there's certain things that need to be in place. God gives gifts to people. And that's God's business. Our business is the character that is a prerequisite for leadership as well. See, because both of these things need to be married together. God gives gifts like Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, he gives gifts to people in the body to use. That doesn't, good for you, you've got a gift. <laughs> that doesn't mean you're a godly person yet, right? And so part of the prerequisite for being a leader is to be like Jesus, who right now is seated at the right hand of the Father with all power and authority, but how did he get there? He humbled himself to the point of death on a cross, right? That's where he came to, and the Father exalted him. So as our ultimate leader, we take his example in servant leadership, where we would lay down our lives. But isn't that the call of the Christian? Absolutely. That's the call of the Christian. So we need to work in this together. So why do we need leadership? Is it so we can look like we're legit and have an organization? <laughs> it's like, so people from the outside could be like, oh, that's, that's not crazy. They're, they're somewhat organized. No, of course not. What's the point? Oops. The point is this. To equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. And this is going to happen until we all attain unity of the faith. We're, this is going to happen for a while, I think. And of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, 
to maturity, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So your leaders are supposed to help us live into the fact that we're the fullness of Christ on the earth, that we would mature. It's a good thing. It's a real good thing. So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. Can you say grow up? Yeah, we're supposed to grow up, church. In every way, into him who is the head, into Christ. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. See, I would... I want us to be, number one, ready for when Christ returns. I want him to receive a bride that loves him desperately and actually is unified and looks like what he wants us to look like, purified. But we also really, I mean, it's really clear in this passage that we are supposed to grow up. I really don't want us as the church, North America, the church in North America was just ravaged by this silly pandemic. It's pathetic to me that the church of Christ, the one who is above all things, the one who created everything, the one who lives in believers, shrunk and did so much damage to one another. We need to grow up. We need leaders to help us grow up according to the measure of Christ's gift. And so that's the kind of leaders we're looking for here at Pine Ridge, different gifts. Leaders have a higher measure of these types of gifts who can pour out into the family of God. Because we have a job to do to get out there with the gospel, to love one another, build one another up. If something happens again at that level, in our lifetime, I don't want to see the church do the same thing we did last time. We got to grow up so that we can love each other and keep on track with Jesus and be unified in the faith. Amen? So let's, let's look, pray for, equip, work towards it ourselves, mature leaders and maturity in the body. Amen? This is to be balanced in seeing Christ's redemptive work done here in this age. Leaders are called. Leaders are trained. And they're required to have good character. And God gifts them with everything that they're going to need for ministry. They partner with him in their own righteousness. Let me pray for us. And then we're going to worship Jesus again together in song. And I just want you to just worship him for who he is, because he is on the throne. Let's pray. Oh, Father, you are good and you are holy and your plans are good. And so, Lord, in light of your plan for leadership in our church, I pray that you would call and make room for equipping the saints for the work of ministry as well as equipping and training leaders here, Lord. Lord, for, for all those spaces that we, we think about that there used to be happening, Lord, I pray that there are leaders 
and the places you would have that are mature, that are grown up, Lord, in the faith, that are, that are full of the fruit of the Spirit, which is godly character. So, Lord, I pray here at Pine Ridge that you would call leaders, and you are calling. You have already been answering that this year. I pray for more, Lord. There's a large number of us here. And, Lord, I pray that your will would be done, your work would continue as your church steps into more the fullness of Christ. Thank you, Jesus. You are in heaven. You are the one with all authority and power. And we got to sing, holy, holy, holy. Holy are you, God. We thank you. Amen. Let's stand together.